Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a cat over here, there's a cat over there, and the wrong one died, and the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. She's currently performing in the incredible musical Six here on Broadway as Jane Seymour. But before the pandemic, she was on the U.S. national tour number six of Cats performing as Grizabella. So welcome, Carrie Renee Fuller, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I uh, am excited because I've, I've, when Six originally came out, I had a lot of people reach out and tell me six is what I wanted cats to be because I wanted a singing competition for cats and six starts as a singing competition. So I've noticed there's some, some parallels that we'll get to, but let's talk about the cats part first. So before you went on tour, I always love to know how much did you know about the show? Well, I did have the VHS when I was a kid. Okay. And I remember, I remember being like, oh yeah, if I was, cause I didn't start theater until I was, um, like, you know how some, some people start wee, wee, wee last, lats. Right away. Um, yep. I started like towards the end of middle school. So I was like, not, I was still a kid, but it was later than a lot of kids. And so I was like, I, I did, I, I played basketball. I played soccer. I thought I was going to be a crime scene investigator at some point. But somehow, I got the VHS of Cats. I really do, it was definitely before I was in theater. So I don't know how it ended up in my house. However, I watched it and I was like, yeah, I mean, if I, if I did this show one day, I'd probably be the, the one that dies at the end. Like, I don't know, it just seems like, it seems like what, because I've been singing forever. I hadn't done any dancing. I was like, that's really the only one I could do. Yeah. But I didn't that, follow is. the story. Like, I definitely didn't understand the story. Oh, no. Well, I guess how old were you when you first saw it? So you said middle school? No, it was like, it was probably elementary school. I think that we probably got it at a garage sale. Okay. I kind of love the fascination of people who just end up with this VHS because I definitely did not have it growing up. I know my mom took my sister as a young child, but I didn't go. And so I knew nothing about the show until 2016, really, besides that it was a punchline in a lot of, a lot of like TV shows and sitcoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I think it was one of my favorite jokes of all time. I heard it was Conan O'Brien. You remember that guy? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, um, in other news, the, um, the 
oh gosh, I'm gonna slaughter it. But he was like, he was like, um, if there, there is now like, if you're in China, make sure that you catch the tour of cats. And then he said, in other news, the entire cast of cats has been eaten. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so yes. clearly butchered the delivery, but no, I'm that's sure there's, so funny. I'm sure there's a video of that somewhere on the interwebs. But I didn't, I, I truly didn't know anything about the story until I joined the show. I kid you not. Well, it's, it's probably a good thing, though, because it's kind of a dark story when you, like, really dig into it. So it's, like, not the best plot line for, uh, you know, uh, under middle school aged uh, uh, person to be watching. I actually, I've complained through this whole podcast. I don't think kids should be there because really? I know it goes over their head. But as I've learned more of the plot line, it's like, well, we're going to, it feels like a cult. We're going to murder a cat. Yeah. One is being sexually abused. That's like a, a staple of the history for Demeter. 100%. And it's like all these things are happening. And it's like, and it's pretty sexual, like the, the balls and orgy. And so I find... I think there's a windows. I think if you're under like 10, it's all going over your head. Bring them. It's fine. It's fine. But it's at like 10 to probably like 15 range where it's like, eh, they probably understand a little of what's going on. It's probably a little inappropriate. And then there's the adults where it's like, come figure out how you feel about it, love or hate. And there's definitely a big mix. 100%. I think that, I think that people just assume that since it's called cats, that it's really not that deep. And that um you know it's it's just dancing so any kid that's ever had the dream of dancing parents are like this is the perfect show for you i yeah, don't know until until they learn what gray areas <laughs> yeah, yeah gray areas. definitely okay so you don't so you don't know a ton about it until you get cast on tour and this is after waitress when you're on broadway and, Wait- and waitress what was that experience like being cast in this you know this tour revival coming off of i think it's the 2016 kind of production being brought on tour yeah what are you told about you know like what were your aha moments when you're learning the craziness and backstories of all of cats when you're now now seeing it from a different lens i mean it was kind of i'm gonna be honest it was kind of a confused production our tour in particular because Andy Blankenbuehler was our director and mm-hmm. and choreographer. However, he was working on the film at the time. And so we didn't yeah. really get to work with him that often. And so we, we were working with um, Jillian Lynn's um, assistant of all, you know, Chrissy Cartwright. She's, she's worked on, I, I adore the woman. I think that she is so funny obviously British, has worked with like every production, so she knows the show unlike anything else. I was very much looking forward to the fusion of traditional and and new, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't really, I was called to every rehearsal, but I didn't really, I had got, I had two sessions, I think, with Chrissy. I never really got to work with Andy, and, because he just, he was, when he was there, he was working mostly on the choreography, of course. Yeah. And since, you know, Grisabella only has like 20 minutes on stage, she has the most famous song, but she took a back seat a little. And so a lot of what I did was based on conversations that like little passing conversations I had with Chrissy. Um, but Kristen Blodgett and I had mm. probably some of the most effective sessions because she she was our uh, music supervisor. And 
obviously she also knows the show extraordinarily well. So I was getting just like essentially narrative because Grizabella doesn't interact really. And so it was unique in that I was kind of making up my entire thing the entire time. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was like, okay, well, I know the words. I'm not really getting any direction, so I'm just gonna try things and see what happens. Was there any, with 40 years of history, did you kind of go back to, and knowing this also is a new production, but you had, I think, two Grizabellas at least from the 2016. Did you like yes. talk to Mamie or did you did you explore kind of what historically was done to kind of bring into this kind of new thing? No, because this is gonna sound very bad, but I did not care. I did not care what had been done before because A, I was, 25 at the time 24 when I was cast so like I was young I was on the younger side mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about how Grizabella is this old weathered thing yeah. and I'm like she doesn't have to be actually yeah actually she doesn't have to be old she can just you know we all know those people that have had great successful careers in theater and then they like break their leg or something and they are you know financial advisors in Wisconsin for the rest of their lives. Like, things happen. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I am 25. I don't have the wisdom of, and there's only so much you can learn about wisdom from other people's wisdom. And so I Completely. was like, I need to figure out my own wisdom. There was no other 25 year old that I could talk to, you know? There was no yeah. other like, yeah like young person that was like, yeah, like this happened, this happened. I fucked up here, I fucked up there. And I'm just really trying, I'm back in cattle calls again. And I really don't know if I'm gonna have a career in this anymore. And it's all I wanna do. There was nobody like that for me. So it's so interesting to hear you say it because when I've talked to, I've asked this question for a few different roles and a few different people, because this show is such a staple for that. There's, there is so much history with the different amounts of productions and it's on Royal Caribbean cruise and it's in Vienna and it's on international tour and us tour. And, and it's, it's kind of a 50, 50 answer. It's, it's, there's a, I want to learn everything and then make it my own, or I really don't want to learn anything because I want to make it my own. And yeah. it's just a little bit, two different processes to kind of get to the same spot to individualize yeah, so a role. Both of them are so valid. It's like, I, I completely understand the desire to like, in a historical show, want to know everything about it. Um, I obviously like egocentric. I like Wikipedia, I was like, who's the youngest Grisabella? Am I making history? I did not make history, but there was one other Grisabella, but that was the extent of like the mm -hmm. history that I did. And I also like, I, I respect, I respect Broadway performers, especially that we're doing it at the, at the time when Cats was, you know, originating. Mm -hmm. um, I respect them so much because it was such a different time and I wanted to make sure that this that this um, version, because it was so, press always wanted us to say that it was a refreshed outlook on the <laughs> classic story. And I, you know, to a certain extent, I, I really wanted to make sure that I was, I was uh, doing honor by that and not allowing too much of the history into the new version. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I feel, I sometimes feel bad that I didn't do more research, but 
I feel like it was a successful run. No, I, I don't think it, I mean, it definitely shouldn't feel bad. I think that's part of the process is like, you've got to, because you're going to learn the in rehearsals, the backstory, which we'll get to next. I have one more question about the tour though. I'm curious yeah. about before we get to the, the Grizabella theories that are out there that you can oh, shed some light on. You were on tour when the, the movie came out, right? It was like, that was kind oh, of yeah. that. What was that experience like? Cause the, I mean, the movie had such mixed reviews is maybe a generous term. Um, but that's kind of a wild time in itself and it's also right before the pandemic where the news was starting to break that things could be maybe not so good and you know but it wasn't quite at that point yet so what was that end of 2019 like honestly so we saw it i remember it very clearly we saw the movie we went kind of as a cast and we were in toronto at the time to the local cinema and it was a it was an amazing night at the theater. I, we had finished a show. Um, I honestly don't think the problem was with the movie. I think the problem was with the marketing. If they would have marketed that movie as a parody, there would be no backlash. There would have been no back because it was a perfect parody. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they marketed it and I believe intended it to be a serious film, in which case it failed miserably. I also have my own feelings about stunt casting, but just is what it is. <laughs> they spent a hundred million dollars, so I don't think that was a parody attempt. No. But I think no, you're right, they, it would have landed better. It would have landed so much because people would have managed their expectations. Like it wasn't really like I don't know who dropped the the ball i really don't know i don't know who but it's the it's the director it's the editing i can tell you i still think if someone took the whole thing that they shot because the choreography looked amazing the singing was great the dancers are incredible it was the way to me it was cut together which you know there was a lot of news at the time was done not even done at the time of the premiere so yeah I still think that there's probably a version if somebody went out and took all of the raw footage and edited it properly, that there's still oh, maybe yeah. a more realistic movie that's out 100%, there. But it's too late. One hundred percent. But you're also taking like such a you're also taking such a like you said, a show with so much history and it just didn't get the time it needed. I think that some of the performers were fantastic. I think others were not. Um, and I don't think it was necessarily like, I don't think that the casting was perfect. However, I don't think it was wrong. I do not think the casting was wrong. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. (laughs) I, I did too. I was at a press viewing and it was, I knew it was problematic when everyone was laughing and that group of people is either friends, family or people being invited for press. Like that's a group that should be professional. And when that group started hysterically laughing at parts that aren't funny i was like this is and it was day two of the press viewings i was like oh they're in trouble i was like they're definitely I in had, trouble if i was at one of those and had to be like held together i you would have had to have put me in a muzzle i was wailing it was so I, funny to I me i love it i held it together until judy dench stared at me straight in the face at the end and then I lost it there. She broke that, that fourth was, wall. Th- that fourth wall broke because I was not expecting it. I also forgot because I've only seen the musical <laughs> twice on stage. 
And I forgot that that part happens at the end of the, the uh, show. So, because I'm always like, oh, yeah, memory. And then it's over. And it's like, no, there's still this I, extra part. Right. And so I saw memory. And then I was waiting. And all, all of a sudden, Judy Dench is just talking directly to me. And that's where I lost it. Yeah. And it was like the hot air balloon flows away. And I just. There were wow. choices. Choices were made. Choices were made. And we always love when people stand by their choices, you know? Well, a lot of them have disassociated themselves from the movie. So, like, Andrew Lever stepped away. Most of the, like, stunt casting has said, oh, this was, uh, you know, paycheck. No, you know, like, a lot of them are not really super into even talking about it anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's fair. That is very fair. Because, like, you agree, you agree to do the movie, and you have no idea what it's going to be, really. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of those stunt castings were given a nice check to do it that they probably were like, yeah, sure. It yeah, can be a sure, disaster. Whatever. I'll take that. Cult classic. It'll turn into a cult classic. I love it. it, it which is where it's going to go, I still think. Yeah. I agree. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Grizabella's uh, backstory and some of the like different rumors that I've heard could be brought in, could not be brought in. So how would you just point blank describe Grizabella's kind of arc? Like she leaves the tribe. She comes back. Like what is her, like what are you told about her history for the performing? <clears throat> You know, not much actually. I, most of what I, when I tell you that I was very independent in this project, I was very independent in this project. I, um, most of everything that I, I mean, I read, I read the book of poems, of course. Um, which Grizabelle's not in, is, which is of crazy. Course. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay, because obviously Trevor Nunn, that was a, addition of course but mm -hmm. it was nice because i was able to like understand who my tribe was before i left and after i returned so that was like a good a good starting point um it was mostly from the lyrics of both you know like remark the cat memory memory like all the three different versions yeah. of memory <laughs> yeah um and also like the the because she on looks um, for the ball and you mm -hmm. know tries to dance and it's everybody's response to her and but also this like tenacious spirit that she's like no but like this this is my heart and soul is this tribe and I want whatever what I could never really decide if she made a mistake or if she was just curious mm -hmm. I think that in every but I think everybody understands what it's like to be a part of something and have ambition and be curious as to what the unknown is. I mean, how many stories have been written about that exact yeah. idea? And so that's what I decided. I, I decided kind of very, very close to when we were, when we started tech and everything in, in Rhode Island, in Providence. But I was like, I don't think that she did anything. I think that she was just... She had her experiences within the tribe. She had friendships. She had close friendships. She had, I believe, romantic relationships as well because she's mm -hmm. just a functioning member of just the tribe. That's cat. what they did. Yeah, yeah, she's just a cat. And I I think that she she just was like, you know, I, I want more than what I have right now. I don't think that she was particularly like, oh, this is not, you know, I don't think it was that. I don't think it was a malicious departure. I think it's like, I've, I've learned as much as I can from this. I want to learn more. We're obviously giving okay. very human characteristics I, to a cat. No, I mean, that's 
part of it, I think. It's so interesting because I do think that there's there's a couple versions of why she leaves that you could interpret. And I think that that's that's definitely one of them, which is I always said it's the, you know, it's the group and the solo artist breaking apart because it's like they've been in a group ready to go solo and then doesn't work out and comes back type of thing could be the arc of her leaving. I also think there's a version where there's one thought is that she gets into crime with McCavity and goes off into basically sex work or something because she gets in a bad place, drug abuse or so she was almost forced to leave because she made bad decisions and then comes back. So it's interesting to hear you say that yours is more of like, okay, I need to step away from my family and return when it's time after I've, I've kind of done some of my solo learn for my, you know, for myself. For her experience, from her experiences and, and some of that, it could be a hybrid of both. You know, like, yeah, I've made decisions that I am sure my parents and family would not approve of. And, but obviously, you know, bound by blood, this is very different. But I do think that, I don't even think that she came back because she feels badly. I think that she's just like, I experienced life and I want to come home to the people I love. You know, because I know that I'm on my way out. And I know mm-hmm. that I probably won't get chosen to be part of going to the heavy side. So I want to enjoy my last moments, even if it's from afar. I, that's where I kind of settled on it. I think it's a strong, a stronger choice to surrender and um, allow the redemption to take place without her asking for it. It's 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 fascinating to kind of hear that version because it makes the return a lot happier than I think other versions where it's like. I'm on my deathbed. You have to reaccept me because otherwise right. my life of crime is is going to oh, be yeah. so bad. I don't think that she expected at all to be chosen to go to the heavy side layer. I think it is truly shocking. I, I do not think that she came back for that. I think she came back because she was like, okay, I've done my living and I'm ready to come home. I just want to, I want to love you guys for the rest of what I have, even if I can't be with you, even if I am, you know, extra, extra diet. What is it? Even if I'm outcast (laughs) from the tribe, I can at least remember. And that's what memory is about. It's like, Mm -hmm. she has nothing in the present anymore. So it's like, I live with my memory. And part of that is being a part of this family. This is going to lend well, because when I ask why, this is a big reason why I don't think she should be the Jellicle choice currently, because I think she should be back with her family. She should be accepted and spend time with her family. Um, we'll get to that, because that's the, my final question always. Um, I want to ask a little bit about, did you did you think a lot about different character relationships? I know with being on stage 15 to 20 minutes, you know, there's some thoughts that Bomb and Demeter could have been, and Victoria could be your daughters, or that... Right. You know, there's McCavity could be a potential lover or, you know, what's the relationship with Old Deuteronomy or Skimbleshanks or all these other ones or Bustifer. Did you think a lot about those when you were playing into this or was it much more of just like a collective family and I'm returning? I had heard I had heard like um, possibly having McCavity as a lover, possibly um, having kittens about. And I thought very long and hard whether I actually wanted to accept that as part of my story as Grisabella. Not because I wanted to be different or anything, but because I just, I really wanted to make a well-informed decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually don't think that she had any kitten. My Grisabella did not have any children. 
Um, she definitely had a relationship with McCavity because mm-hmm. everyone did. Yeah. Everyone did. Okay. And so I think that that was just the the what I landed on. Um, I think that having because the entire arc to me was about me coming back. It wasn't about because we don't hear anything about her coming back. We hear everything about what used to be, but we don't hear anything about the present from her, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other than true. other than the narrative of remark the cat, like when she enters, which she's just like essentially telling you what you see physically. Yeah, and yeah. they continue on with the story. Um, I'm a big um, advocate for just letting the text exist and not try and invent too much outside of that. Um, so that's why I decided what I decided. I there was nothing ever written about her having kids so I was like I'm just going to make that my choice um the Victoria bond I I think is a super beautiful it it was always so touching even doing it eight times a week for a full year Mm -hmm. it was always so touching because I just it it takes a lot of courage I, I find the most amount of courage that exists in human beings mostly comes from children because they they don't quite understand to f- what to fear yet and so to victoria she's just like why 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 she's a nice lady <laughs> yeah she's a nice lady she sings pretty yeah she's like she's weathered you know she's had some acl repairs it just is what it is and like <laughs> I I also think that there's a I, I feel it in myself every now and then when I see some of my favorite performers age. I'm not, you know, really afraid of aging. Um, however, I do watch like some of my favorite performers age. And mm-hmm. I sometimes feel a little guilty for remaining young. Like I'm still in my like prime yeah. as far as phys- I mean, listen, as soon as I turned 28, I all of a sudden felt my knees. I had never felt my knees before. <laughs> but I just like I, I just kind of understand what it's like to uh, witness the next generation and want everything for them. And on the flip side of that, it's like they're watching us seeing what came before them. And there has to be respect and love there. And I think that that's that's more the essence of what the Victoria Grisabella moment is more than like, I'm reaching out to my grandmother type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I think that's, it's interesting because it's, there is that version. There is the mom abandoned me. And now this is the first time I'm seeing her again version. Yeah. And, and I, I love that you're saying that you like, you leave to the text because that's something that's like in the show is almost created to to not, or at least from the fan side, especially for anybody who wants to try to fill in blanks, there right. isn't a lot in the text. And so no. that's where all these rumors come from is there's just such like, there's such open space to interpret this world that was created. Yes. And I mean, lest we forget it like existed as text only before yeah. it was a musical, before we added the visual aspect of it. And so, that's kind of the, like you said, it's the exploration and kind of, I think, I believe why this show is so timeless mm-hmm. is because it allows for so much imagination to exist. And so many, you know, we love a conspiracy theory. We love a theory. We just love them. Yep. Completely. Completely.
We'll be back after this short break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, I want to transition to six because I'm obsessed. It is one of my favorite things to go see. Um, and I've loved seeing you perform as Jane Seymour. Thank so I want to ask my first question because Grizabella to or cats even to six is you go from 15 minutes to 20 minutes on stage to zero breaks on stage and performing straight for 80 minutes. What was that? I mean, like it's, it's kind of almost, it's uncommon at this point. I feel like six is one of the few ones where you, I mean, you go get your drinks of water and stuff. And I think you go off maybe before the, um, before Anna Cleves, you know, there's like a little small, like, but it's like, 10 seconds not even so what was that you know prep for that going like where you've been in these you know these shows where you kind of got your your time on stage your time off to all of a sudden i'm gonna be on for 80 straight minutes right i mean it is it this show does six does require a lot of stamina i think i even think back to cats and i think about my castmates and i always felt so guilty i was like i get to relax and do things off stage and they're essentially on stage the entire show and that's like what Mm -hmm. two hour two and a half hour two and a half hours yeah so like i definitely have i think the difference is is that i have perspective now that i didn't have before cats so like Mm. if you would have if you would have asked me this question before cats i would have been like oh my gosh it's just oh so hard like going on you know (laughs) but now that i uh i have seen castmates truly um not stop not stop and doing a lot more physically demanding things i um i i have it i have it pretty good that being said that being said this show is extraordinarily challenging in its own way so Mm -hmm. I have, you were right, I have only like, I only exit the stage three times for less than like 15 seconds. Yeah. And um, it's like it's like a quick sip of water and then back at it. However, I, I always joked, I was like, I only get hired to sing sad, high sad ballads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I was, I was hired for waitress to understudy Jenna. I was hired, mm-hmm. obviously, for Grizabella from memory, and now Heart of Stone. Um, but that's what's challenging to me. That is, it's the vocal aspect of this show. Um, 
only because we sing in every number, we dance in every number, yeah. and we, it's not like, Heart of Stone is not an easy song. Luckily, we have such an amazing front of house team that's like our sound mixing and everything that just makes our life so much easier. <laughs> I'm just now getting to the point where like I'm trusting the microphone, I'm trusting the in-ears. Um, mm -hmm. We have in-ear monitors, which I've never worked with before. So it's, it's, un it's a very unique experience and it goes by so much faster than it looks. It does. Once, once you know, get down happens, we're just, we're pretty much done yeah. with the show. And that's how it feels on stage too. And I think we also just have so much fun that the time passes pretty quickly too. Yeah, it is such a an, an, a unique song in the sense too, or maybe as the as the audience is that you go from very upbeat, 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 and then it's like, boy, we're gonna slow down and we're gonna yeah. get emotional and we're gonna go yeah. into this kind of power ballad, and so um, it's it's kind of, and then it goes right back to very very upbeat again with yeah. you know the House of Horvath and stuff like that. So um, it, it is interesting. I want to, my favorite thing to do is with their, one of the current shows going on is to compare the characters to cats. So I want to Great. compare the queens to cats. Great. So I've, I've done a little bit of thinking on this. I, I think I've landed on almost all of them um, with one that I'm, a, I, I have a couple choices here, but okay. I want to hear your thoughts on them. So let's start with, we'll go in order. So let's start with Catherine of Aragon. I think Catherine of Aragon is, um, this is the hardest one for me. This is so hard. <clears throat> Catherine of Aragon, I think, is the um, is is uh, what is her name? Oh my gosh, it's weird. It's weird, but I think it's I think it's Jenny Any Dots. Jenny. Okay, so why? Because she is, she's a uh, like, she's one of the OGs. So mm -hmm. was Jenny Annie Dots. She's she was yeah. like she's like so she's one of the OGs. Um, Catherine Maragon was obviously the OG. The OG. And yep. um, like stylistically, they're very presentational. Uh, oh, okay. In their performing style, um, and there's like there's like a nice confidence that comes with the with knowing that like you are setting the bar yeah she's also That's, one of isn't she one of the first first cats very much well? yeah she's like second i think second one first or second so i like that i i was i never placed jenny anywhere and i thought about like where she would fit mm. i took the lyrics of this a little bit more to heart and so i thought old deuteronomy because it's like you're not replacing me and it's like oh, yeah. monkey's trap is ready to take over and he's right. the true og of cats, and so I kept thinking. Oh, I love is, that. Actually. This is my I think that you're here. right. I think you are right. Okay, let's go to Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn, I think, is uh, monkey strap and rumple teaser. Okay, I could see that. I went with Bombal Arena. I see, like, I a... just think that Anne Boleyn is just such a shit stirrer. Yeah. Okay. That's and yeah. So it's like, and so are they. Yes. So Mungo and Rump. I I said monkey yeah. strap? Help. I think Wrong. you said monkey strap. Uh -oh. Mungo teaser. <laughs> wow. Yep. Wait, what is it? Mungo, Mungo Jerry. 
and Rumpelteaser. Did I do this show? Did I even do this yeah. musical? <laughs> oh my gosh. Which Their one song is Monkey's Trap? Monkey's Trap is the one that wants to take over for Old Deuteronomy, the like, yes. narrator. Yes, thank you. Wow, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's a really good answer. I, I didn't think about it from that way. I was thinking more about it like very promiscuous and kind of like carefree, and that's right, why I thought right. Bombay Arena. No, um, I, I, I do, do love that. I do love that. I just I think like that the idea. Stir the pot. Yeah, they're just like little troublemakers, and I just mm-hmm. it's just like the cute. It's cute. I think Jane Seymour is an easy one. I think yeah. I, I think that those those are pretty. Yeah, dies. It's Grisabella. It's obvious. It's true. It's true. I mean, I also would say like maybe Jelly Lorem could fit in there because she's such a caretaker. Yes, and I have so Jelly for Jane. a different. I have oh. uh, Jelly for a different queen. I can't so. wait to hear this one. Um, let's do Anne of Cleves. Okay. Anne of Cleves is such a show-off, so I think I think that it's Misto. That's okay. Uh, so interesting. I took the life of luxury and rich, and so I thought she was Buster for Jones. Like I think lives that I block palace. out Buster for Jones just <laughs> in general. <laughs> Most I people think do. I, I think I just bought, block him out. <laughs> Buster for Jones is cut in the ninety-minute um, version on the Royal Caribbean cruise. So. Oh my God. So yeah, um, but that was where I, I that's a I really like that um, kind of a showy dancing yeah. heavy number. Right, um, knows awesome. they're really really good. <laughs> Catherine Howard. Oh, that's Rum Tum Tugger for sure. Tugger. Okay, I went Demeter, and I went Demeter because I thought Demeter sings kind of that same very sexy song, but it's also a little skittish in it. And as True. the song progresses. So that's what happens to kind of Catherine Howard. So that's kind of how I was thinking about it. But I do get no, the Tugger, it is like, also, confidence. It is also, like... But I will say, like, they're both in abusive... Yeah. ...scenarios. I mm-hmm. just... Yeah, I just... I, what, the part that gets me is, like, the confidence in this. I feel like this would be Tugger's, like, internal monologue if he was capable of being honest with himself. Yeah. Yep. So true. You know what I mean? and, and Catherine Howard has all the like confident one-liners in the show, just throwing oh, out, yeah. you know. That's the thing about Demeter is that she doesn't really have like these protective mechanisms as far as like the psyche goes. Mm-hmm. She's more physically manifesting her protective mechanisms. And Tugger is very much just in denial the entire time. Yeah. So so there's two. It's basically before her song. Catherine is Tugger. Yeah. At the end of her song, Catherine's Demeter. Yeah, and then back to Tugger for the yeah, lines. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right after. Um, and then Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr, I had this in my brain. It was like such a fleeting. I feel like it might be, um, what's his face? Um, the old one. Gus. Gus. I love it. You just forgot the Buster Jones Gus track completely. <laughs> I, um, the reason that I say that is because he was such a <clears throat> imaginative energy, and like he he set so many like little records, you know. Like even though for him they were just like nothing, but like they meant everything and she's kind of like a trailblazer in that way too 
Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, who do you think it is? That's where, so it's in the same world, because that's where I have Jelly. Yeah. Because kind of a caretaker for, you yeah. know, the group and especially Gus, very thoughtful and cerebral. Um, yeah, you're right. So that's where, that's kind of where I, I put Jelly Alarm. Yeah, I feel like I just get so, I think I just, it's funny that I forgot him because I love Gus so much. <laughs> like, yeah. I really love him. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the entire musical of Cats. So I think I just wanted him to have his queen moment. You know, I think I just yeah. really was manifesting <laughs> for him to have his queen moment. <laughs> I love it. Um, I didn't really put this in, but I think we could do, you know, the king. I, But to me, that's McCavity. It's our villain. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or maybe. Amazing. So, yeah, else? so Grizabella would have, in this scenario, she would have a kid. Yeah. I mean. She would. I, I think there's some versions that she has a kid. Yeah. I think some version has multiple kids, probably. It absolutely if not, would not surprise me. Yeah. Would not surprise me at all. There's, I just started watching Breaking Bad, and um, there's parts of, like, the seedy underbelly of Grizabella that reminds me. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember in, I think it's the first season, the two, like, crackheads that, like, take um, Aaron Paul, take Jesse, they steal him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That wife. That wife <laughs> who's like, I'm not a skank. I'm not a skank. <laughs> that, you, you feel kind that? Of like, That's your Grisabella? Yeah, I think it's your funny. Crackhead, your crackhead yeah. who's stealing when people? She, <laughs> when, she gives, when she gives in to the, the temptation and then is... Obviously, that's not the, how I played Grisabella, but I, I, I saw that and I was like, why does that sound familiar to me? My controversial-ish take on Grisabella was that when she left the tribe, it was the bald Britney Spears phase. So it's like, you got your pop star who is the top of the world that yeah. has the meltdown, which I like because now she's having her comeback. Yes. So it's like she's getting her moment to where it's like exactly. she's now, because she's getting her memory section of her arc. I would love that. I, I remember seeing all of the pop artists that covered memory. Because of course yeah. I, of course I researched that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing that informed the character, but of yeah. course I researched that. Um, I, but Celine Dion will always take the cake for me. I don't think I've heard that version. I might need to do some. Oh my gosh, she literally now. dresses up as a cat. Oh gosh. You, you're missing out, uh, my friend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna YouTube it the minute we we stop recording. Please do. Um, let's do some quick rapid fire to get to the million dollar question. So if you could perform as any character in the show, that's not Grisabella, just one day. And I always say as someone, because I can't sing or dance, forget if it's male, female, vocal range, whatever it is, you know, dancing the numbers. Just if you just could immediately had the ability and could do one character one night, who would you want to go on as? Victoria. Victoria. Want to do the the dance numbers. I don't want to have to sing and... I want to be able to have that flexibility in my hips. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love whenever I ask this question, it's either I, you get something that's like, it's totally in my range and kind of my personality and I just want to go do it. Or it's totally opposite. And I want, yes. like, this is the only way people answer it. And so I love it. Um, cause I think it's fun. I think the other one I always, I constantly think about is I think Tugger would be fun. Cause it's not my personality. It's right, to just right. have that such arrogance to go out there and just do whatever you feel. It would be great character development. You would have such a good time. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? So ignore cast members. Let's go just purely based right. on the cat personality. Well, obviously, I repressed the memory of Bustopher, so I think that yeah. he's probably <laughs> one of my least favorites. Um, <clears throat> favorite cats. I always loved. I always loved um, listening and watching McCavity Offset. Like, mm. Bob Ballerina and uh, Demeter, I just, I really like their, because it's also, like, the only, like, female moment. Mm-hmm. Not that everything needs to be freaking female empowerment. I'm just, that was just one thing I noticed for that time when the show was written and produced out the very first time, it was very ahead of its time. Yeah, this is probably a little, you know, in current society, but someone told me early on in doing this that that uh, Tugger was for the moms and McCavity was for the dads. And oh. I always thought that that was such an interesting perspective of like, yeah, that is your, your extremely sexual, sexy, like Absolutely. dance numbers and songs mm-hmm. that come out for, um, you know, in, in the musical. 100%. And we're all in freaking leotards. Come on. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite song from the show? Is it McCavity? Yeah, I do. I think it is. Other than uh, other than memory, of course. Yeah. I, well, and I actually okay. prefer. I actually prefer Act One memory to Little Memory finale memory. Yeah, I prefer Little Memory. Okay. Um, my last question before we get to the final one is: If one of the cats was part of the royal family, which one do you think would be best fit in the royal family? Oh would best fit in the royal family. Honestly, probably old Deuteronomy. I think that he'd just walk around ah. and just like not bother anyone. <laughs> He's, I could see him, yeah. I, I went the other end of the spectrum. I went Victoria. I see Victoria as like one of the Prince William's kids. Like, you know, <laughs> just like perfectly dressed in every scenario. Yeah. yeah. have no idea what's going on, but still a little, you like, know, childish. I feel like they don't want to like take care of anything so i feel like old deuteronomy is like self-sufficient enough to where like he wouldn't be against hunting for himself you know like going in the back garden you know what i mean Mm, okay i love it um (laughs) final question and i you've teased this to me before we started recording but i don't think grizabelle is the right jellical choice and so I, I know that you don't either, so I'd love to hear who do you want to defend? To go to the heavy side layer, I it's Gus. It's Gus. It's Gus. Give me the, the reason for you. He's lived his life. He has passed on his knowledge, his stories. Um, he's left his legacy. Um, and he is still just like, he's he still has that childlike wonder that I want him to go out of the world with. You know, I want him to be able to like have his like final, he was ready, you know, he was ready. He didn't have anything else he needed to do and everybody loved him. Love it. Um, I also kind of love it because it's like, you wanted him to be the choice so much that you loosely forgot him. It's like, he's already (laughs) gone. The irony is not lost on me. It's not lost on me. I can see, I can see the face. I could see Tim's little face and his wig, but I just, for the life of me, could not think of that cat's name. And it's funny you say that because I have the reverse issue because I've only seen the show twice and the movie once and the 1998 movie once. Um, yeah. I know every character, name, backstory, like potential rumor mill of most of them. I don't okay, think I could I'm pick so half of them out of a line. 
<laughs> I'm so glad your retention. I see. I in general, my mental retention of names in particular, I just fail. I fail at almost daily. So I I agree. I think that's a very hard thing. But these are so uncommon that True. they that they that for me they're memorable. Like I don't you know I didn't forget most of these names when when I saw it the first time because I'm like what and that's why my answer for my <laughs> least favorite cat's always been Peter because I'm like who the hell named Peter like that's which not one a, is Peter remember, Peter is Buster for Jones and Gus's dance track at the beginning in the opening oh my number gosh, yes. <laughs> that they named but never I mean it's in the naming of cats so that's where it came from but like it's just to get an I think it's I mean to, to get another dance body during that number that's not one of the two I have a question for you. Do you think that the cat that Grizabella plays, because she was cut out of the revival, and they were going to keep her cut, but then they were like, oh, Carrie can actually dance, put her back in. Who do you think that cat is? So it's it's called Baby Grizz, is uh-huh. what it's listed as in like the Wikipedia stuff. Right. I Part of me, if I'm taking a creative liberty is i think it's foreshadowing and it's the new it's the the reborn grizabella coming in so i think that that would be yeah that's my that's my cat it's one of my i've written a lot of like ideas for cats too and one of them is the you know ghost of cats past and following baby grizz through what she did by leaving yeah see that's that's what i i was like oh this is like how grizabella remembers herself is baby grizz at the very beginning of the show but what i love about this when you're walking alone you know yeah what i love about it though is that my like rational brain is just like they just need another dancer they got another dancer like to have another person plotted there and then they're just like okay who do we who do we have then it's like oh grizabella is not going to be in this part so we can pull that actor actress in but it's like then all the fans is like, but what's that mean for the theory? Oh, you know, mean? exactly, exactly, yeah, for sure. So that's where I feel with Peter. <laughs> I, I've been trying to write. Um, I I wrote my version of Peter as Peter is actually Saint Peter, and he is making sure that when whoever goes to the heavy side layer, he's just a, a spy down there waiting to understand if the person that gets picked is ready. I love your theories. I think that they are rich. I love them. There's zero merit to any of them besides... Which is what makes them so good and honestly probably so real. (laughs) I think what's happened now is is I've recorded 80, 90 episodes now. Most, you know, 70 plus with cast members or fans. So I've heard so many variations of like, this is what I was told or here's what I thought about. Here's this. And me being the collective, being able to take that in and then take some of the writing brain that I used to you know, heavily yeah. work on and say, all right, now based on this, 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 and this, this could mean this. And it's ruined some of my theories. It's made me think of some new ones. Um, yeah. but I, it's, it's been, it's why I still do this podcast is cause I thoroughly enjoy hearing everyone's unique take on it. I love that. So, I love that so much. I'm, I, I love that. Peter is now St. Peter to me. That's all I'm ever going to, <laughs> to think of him as. <laughs> the other one I really want to solve more on is there's, and I don't even know if they're still around. There's two others that, that one is definitely not around is there was a street tugger where they made tugger a rapping cat in the I London remember, I remember seeing that. Oh my god! I have so many questions about that. Um, and then the other one is there's a cat named Gilbert in 
I think the Japanese productions and it's, it's like similar to yeah it's similar to Peter where it's like really just to dance and then they did I think it's Peaks and Pockles or one of them they did a samurai fight and that was Gilbert's scene so I have a lot of Gilbert questions too that are like these are things that aren't answered but the Wikipedia page has every cat name version and all this stuff so if you really dig deep there's a lot of strange things going on internationally and, like- and even here I feel like Cats is just, like, the most global, like, globally influenced music. You could do anything with it. You can make the, you can make him a samurai cat if it suits the culture. Why not? Yeah, and I think the reason for it is because they're, because the plot line's so loose and the singing's so beautiful. Yeah. Don't really need to understand, like, you could go in the dancing, like, you could go watch the show, and in Vienna, it's in German. And it's like, I'm pretty sure I could go watch the show and still, still enjoy it because you'll get, I mean, most people don't know the plot, even if it's in English and you're following it, and that's your, know. You know, your first language. So I think that's why it's so successful and, and stayed around for so long is that anybody can go, and if nothing else, you're going to be immersed in this incredible set, see great dancing, great singing, and. 90% of the crowd's not going to follow the backstory anyways. Exactly. Exactly. This is theater. <laughs> exactly. And they're cats. So it's, you know, it's and unique. they're cats. Oh, but, oh, well, gosh. this has been super fun. How can people stay in touch with you on social media or other things you're working on? And I'll put, yeah. obviously, go see you in six on Broadway if you're in New York. Yeah, come see you. I'm in until December. Um, so I'm on, so I am on social media. I mean, I am a, present on social media. I'm not very active, but I do make sure to update it with everything that I'm working on. I'm working on, um, if none, if you guys don't know, I had released a single earlier last year and now I'm working on, uh, a full three track EP. So that will be released soon. I'm also doing a solo show, um, in New York city on the 8th of November, if anybody's around, it'll be a blast and a half. But yeah, those are the those are the things keeping me busy at the moment. Amazing. We'll link everything for Six and the Soul Show and um, whenever the you. album comes out, we'll be happy, excited to, to hear it. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. So thank you again for being an amazing guest. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to join the echelon of cats on this. I've been hearing about this podcast forever, so I'm very, very happy to be on it. Thank you for having me. That makes me so happy that people, I know my biggest fear when I started this was that I was going to anger a bunch of the cast members. And I love that it's been the exact opposite is is that everyone's appreciated and had fun with it. We thrive. We thrive with this. So thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 